So you might have noticed that I talk about OCD quite a lot on the show. It's a condition I've lived with all my adult life and sadly it's been as pertinent to my career as a music journalist as music has been. In fact it's something I'm writing a lot about right now so stay tuned for that. But it occurs to me that some of you might not know exactly what OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder is. It is after all one of the most misunderstood anxiety disorders often used as common parlance for a bit fussy, or tidy, or obsessed with cleanliness. If you listen to our recent interview with Danny McNamara from Embrace about our shared experience with the disorder, then you might have clocked on that it's much more than that. It's hell. But I made a commitment to myself in recent years to talk as much about OCD as possible, because if there's anyone out there like my 19-year-old self, confused, scared, without a clue what is happening to them, then they might need to hear the stuff that I have to say. If there's something I've learned in recent years, it's that there is hope, and that I'm not alone in my experiences. Not at all. Earlier this year, I spoke to Chris Hawkins on BBC Radio 6 during the station's Mental Health Awareness Week coverage about my life as a music journalist with OCD. I thought it might be nice to share that conversation on the podcast here, because it dips into my time working at NME and the like. It's music-adjacent content, a bit like the episodes of Shame I published on this feed last month. If you're interested in OCD, then know I do a podcast all about just that. It's called The OCD Chronicles, and it's available... Blah, 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 blah. And here's my conversation with Chris. All this week's Six Music's Reflecting Mental Health Awareness Week with One for the Heads, a selection of programming on the theme of well-being. And with me now is the former editor of Kerrang! and whose writing I'm sure you'll know from Vice, The Big Issue and The Observer. He's also the host of The OCD Chronicles, a podcast all about those who've fought the illness and survived. Hi, James. Hey, how you doing? Uh, James... When did you first discover you had OCD and uh, where were you at that time in your life? Well, I guess the sort of brief version is that I think a lot of people, when they find out they have OCD, they actually realise that it's been present in their life a lot longer than they thought. I always think that my first proper debilitating episode of it was when I was 19 and didn't understand what was happening to me. And I didn't actually get a diagnosis till I was 28, which was... Uh, 2008, I was working at the enemy at the time and I had another serious episode of obsessing and ruminating uh, and the rituals that come with that. And I got a diagnosis at the Maudsley Hospital in Camberwell, which is this world-beating uh, unit for anxiety disorders. And I ignored it. I didn't think that I had OCD because I didn't do any of the things that were on TV or in films or... I wasn't particularly organised, I wasn't particularly uh, tidy, uh, I didn't wash my hands well, I, I, more than you know one should. It was a huge regret uh, and I went another 10 years and had a proper breakdown at the end of my time at Kerrang! and thought maybe I should listen to that diagnosis and got another diagnosis. And here I am today, kind of more or less able to manage the condition. But I think that one of the reasons why I'm very... I try to be very vocal about OCD and what it is and what it isn't and how people can get help for it is that 
it really was the poor representation of the disorder that led me to reject that diagnosis and certainly had 10 years more difficult than they should have been because of it. Uh, what happened when you were 19, James? Uh, well, when I was 19, I woke up one day and I decided that I was HIV positive. I was at no more risk than anyone. I mean, obviously, obviously, HIV can affect anyone, but I certainly wouldn't have been considered high risk. And I could not live with the lack of confirmation that I wasn't HIV positive. So I would go get a test. I would get my negative result. I would say, how sure are you that this test is negative? They would say 99.99999%. And I would say, oh, there's a chance I still have it there. And then I would have another test. And this went on for 12 months, maybe maybe 18 months. I can't quite remember, but it really was uh, a horrifying time. When I accepted the diagnosis, which was in 2017, from a guy called Professor David Veal, who's one of the you know real experts in this field, I looked back and I went, well, of, of course, of course that was OCD. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, 2008, you mentioned, when you were at the NME, what happened then? Oh, man, all sorts. Um, well, I, I was the features editor of the magazine, which was, you know, obviously a very stressful position. But it was a job that I loved, and it was a job that I'd always wanted to do, and it really was everything I sort of worked for, but I found myself obsessing that people could uh, hear my thoughts. I was obsessing that people thought that I was a serial killer. Uh, we call them ego-dystonic themes, in that you obsess about the thing that you care about the most so if something horrifies you so much that would be the thing that you obsess about and i found myself basically living in the office because i couldn't get out through the door and i couldn't get out through the door unless i touched every desk in the building three times so i'd basically just be in this constant loop of touching people's desks and then getting to a certain number and then realizing that i'd forgotten and it could sometimes take me three or four hours to get out of the office and it was just a just a cycle of uh, cycle of madness, James. Um, let, let's talk some more in a moment, if if that's okay. I want to play something that um, maybe you like to listen to when you need a bit of headspace. Thought I'd pick Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple's been very vocal about her existence with OCD. There's a lot of musicians that talk about their experience of OCD now. George Ezra has been talking about it a lot recently, and uh, I sometimes think what it would have been like to have a George Ezra or a Fiona Apple when I was. 19. It just would have been a real kind of light in the dark, really. So I'm pleased that those people have got vocal. Okay. Uh, which one's this? Fiona Apple? Well, it's a song called I Know, which isn't especially about OCD, but I think we call OCD the doubting disorder. And it's all about reluctance to be able to live with uncertainty. So uh, a song called I Know feels very on brand. All right. James, let's talk some more after this. Fiona Apple here on Six Music. La 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 la. Fiona Apple and I know here on Six Music. James McMahon's with me. James is music journalist, podcast host of the OCD Chronicles. James, you had a, a dream job, massive music fan, working at the Enemy Features Editor. In, incredible times. And it feels like you should have been living your best life. It was a great time in music, too. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it really was my sort of dirty secret, really, more than anything. Um, I did I did talk to 
my editor, a guy called Connor McNicholas, who's my gaffer at the time, and he and he was great, but I didn't tell him anything like I've told you, like because I was actually terrified that if I told anyone actually what was going on, then I would lose my job. And even now, I mean, I'm I'm writing a book about OCD at the moment. It's my kind of principal project that I'm working on, and speaking to ex-colleagues or friends from that time, they all express sort of great shock that I managed to do anything really you know I managed to make a feature section every week but <laughs> one of the things that happened in 2017 was that I found myself to an OCD support group called OCD London and it sounds almost trite to say this but it was like finding your tribe people were sharing the same themes that I had and I thought well this is where I need to be and, and that's what led me to um, getting the right help. It was going to the support group really was the thing that kind of gave me a roadmap really. I had, I had quite a lot of traumatic things happen to me in childhood. No one really knows where OCD comes from. Like some people, I, I know this because I've spoken to researchers and psychologists and all sorts of people when doing the podcast, but you know, mo most people believe that it's a genetic thing with almost like a mixture of nature and nurture so that you can be like born predisposed to the condition where then almost something might happen to you that unlocks it. Uh, I certainly feel like knowing the medical history of my family that I'm, that's probably the case. Do you think that being a music journalist was the right job for you? No, not at all. No, no, I don't think. I don't think I could have chosen anything worse, if I'm being honest with you. But I also think that you couldn't have told me otherwise when I was 14 and pouring over every word in the enemy. And I also think that were I to work in a supermarket, I would get obsessed with something. I, I, I think that it, it latches on to the things that matter to you So, and, and work's always mattered to me a lot so I think that whatever I did it would have been the case but definitely I think you know I'm pleased that there is starting to be a conversation about mental illness in the music industry because we you know it's such an unregulated exhausting 24-7 job and you know people aren't necessarily built for that. James um, what would you say to anyone that might be feeling anxious listening to you now? Well, I think that if you have OCD, actually feeling anxious is the way to go, which sounds strange because you would think that you would avoid that if you had OCD. But the way that we treat OCD is with cognitive behaviour therapy and a thing called exposure response prevention, which is actually putting yourself close to your fears and your anxieties, living with the anxieties, so to speak. So... I have a friend who is obsessed with germs. He goes and sits next to a bin for 12 hours a day. Often when I've spoken about OCD, people have said, that sounds like you, you are describing my life. I don't feel so alone. I don't feel so odd. To which I say, there's some great charities in the UK, OCD UK, OCD Action. There are support groups in most major towns and cities that changed my life. And I think that if you can get access to the right treatment for OCD, which is what I've just said, then I think that your life can be an awful lot more tolerable and maybe even enjoyable. You've spiralled, James, and you've come back. Uh, are you in control now? Yeah, yeah. I'm not that far off a dip. And I feel like, actually, at the moment, I think that I am probably doing the best I've ever done. And I think I can do even better, so... Yeah, I'm feeling good about it, actually. Amazing. James, I can't thank you enough for being so honest. Thank you. Pleasure. Is it hard to share? No, not really. <laughs> but 
that can also be a bit of a symptom of, of OCD oversharing because there's one type of OCD, right? But they call them different things. So mine's kind of a mixture of physical compulsions and rituals and internal compulsions and rituals, which is one of the reasons why I find it quite hard. It, it was quite hard for me to accept because if I was washing my hands all the time or I was, I don't know, checking locks or whatever, then it would have been much more obvious. But a lot of the stuff is just the way that I think. And sometimes being open about stuff, it is a link to OCD because you find a lot of people with OCD want to confess or they want to share, overshare, because they want that reassurance, which makes the anxiety go away. So I don't, I don't find it that hard, but I think I've had to, I've had to strike a balance between you know, being in the supermarket and someone asking how I am and me telling them my entire life story. It's taken some time to work out what my boundaries are. James, thank you so much for coming on the show. Pleasure.